biggest weekend of the year. Millions of people will huddle around their screens to experience the world's greatest commercials. 30-second theology. It's big ads with bigger truth. Doritos Blaze, a bold new flavor that brings the heat. How'd you guys like that commercial? You guys remember that one from last year? I don't know if you guys remember that from the Super Bowl last year. Here's number one in your notes, real quick. Let's dig right in. Ready? Here's number one. Here's what that commercial teaches us in your notes. With a simple phrase, you can start a blaze. I came up with that myself. Thank you very much. I like that. I'm just a regular old uh, notorious B.I.G. over here, right? With a simple phrase, you can start a blaze. Did you know that within each and every single one of us, there's the ability to spit fire? Now, I, I don't mean like that you got bars like Busta Rhymes. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, I mean that the tongue has the ability to spit fire in the form of words that can cause some major damage. In fact, look at what James chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. I love the book of James. It's a super practical book in the New Testament. And it says this, James chapter 3, it's in your notes and on the screen. It says, so too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how a small fire sets ablaze a large forest. And the tongue, James says, is a fire. I want you guys to take a moment to evaluate all the ways that you use your words this week. Would you say that you used it more for blessing or more for cursing? Did you use your words more to build people up or to tear people down? Guys, our words are so powerful and I can prove it to you. What feeling do you get when someone gives you words of affirmation? When somebody says, I love you. When somebody says, you are so talented. When someone says, you did an awesome job with that project, I believe in you. What emotions are, are, are stricken up in you? Now, how about the opposite? What feelings are evoked, when, uh, invoked in you when someone says words like this, like, you're so stupid. You will never amount to anything. You're such a failure. What emotions are evoked? When you hear those words, our words are powerful and they have the ability to be constructive and helpful or like James says, burn a forest down. And consider this, in the days of James, you couldn't text. <laughs> James couldn't send a text message to people. We can. Today and today, it has the same effect as words. This week, somebody sent me a random text. I haven't spoken to this guy in a very long time. Uh, there's nobody here. It's just someone, he's in a different state and just out of the blue, he sent me a text message out of the blue, he said, dude, you are crushing it. I'm so proud of the work that you're doing. You're doing an amazing job. Man, that was so encouraging to hear those words. It felt, it was so, it was so life-giving. You know, likewise, the opposite could have de completely deflated me, right? Let's be people that are conscious of the fact that there's power in our words. Let's use it to build people up, to build others up, instead of tear people down. Here's your homework. I bet you guys didn't expect to get homework today. You guys have homework for 30-second theology. What are some ways that you can use your words to encourage someone? Send a message, send an email, uh, or better yet, face-to-face. -face. Find somebody that you can encourage this week. And you get bonus points today. You can have an extra 
uh, pig in a blanket, if you're able to do it to three people today before you leave church. Let's be people that use our words to encourage and to build people up. Now, the next commercial that we're about to see, are you guys ready for the second one? All right, the next one that we're about to see uh, will help you see that no matter how difficult life can get in situation, by God's grace, we can overcome all the obstacles that come our way. Check it out. to glory driven since I was a child they tell you life is a game but it ain't a game to me the lights are calling my name yeah I got the energy to put it all on the line if you knock me down I'll get up again I'll get up again if you knock me down When we're free to move, anything is possible. A whole lot to love about that commercial, right? What's not to love about that commercial? When I ask this question, who here has ever doubted their ability to accomplish a goal? Right? Felt like it was just a waste of your time to quit chasing after your dream. Right? You hear those voices starting to tell you all around you that you're never going to amount to anything. Right? That you can't do it and that you won't do it. So give up right now. Spare yourself the headache. Spare yourself the letdown, the, the definite disappointment that's to come. Just simply throw in that towel. The road ahead of you is just too difficult. The obstacles are just too great. You'll never be able to overcome. Throw in the towel. I don't know about you, but heck, I've been, I've been there plenty of times. I've been there plenty of times in this at least in the last, definitely the last four to five years. Earlier this week, I, I came across a journal and uh, a journal book that I had and opened it up. And inside there, the very first entry was dated January 2015. And in that journal entry, I was talking about a time when I sat with a friend of mine to discuss and pour out my heart and my desire to start a church and to plant a church in Kensington. This is back in 2015. And I can tell you how many times that I've, I've had that burden, but how many heartbreaks and how many times I've thought the same things that I've just mentioned a few moments ago. I can't do this. I don't have the resources. I don't have the theological background training. I'm not equipped for it. Just throw in the towel barriers. Why get your family through this hardy? Don't you love your church now anyway? Just stay put. Don't listen to that. Don't do it. God is, God is good where you're at. He doesn't need you there. Obstacle after obstacle after obstacle I've come across. I want to ask you, what's the obstacle for you? What obstacles are challenging you today to push forward to your goal? Because the reality is for each of us here, and it doesn't matter. We have our kids with us here, but including the kids in this room, from the youngest to the oldest today, life has obstacles. Obstacles that are different for each of us. Some of you, it might be a physical disability. Some of us, it's an emotional or mental disability. Some of us, it's, it's, it's a financial obstacle. And you, or for some of us, it's, you've been told, hey, you're too young to accomplish those goals. Or you're too old to accomplish those goals. Your time is done. Just right off in the sunset. You're done with. Time over. What is it for you? What I want to challenge us with today and the challenge that I faced when I saw that commercial is name your obstacle and face it as an overcomer. In fact, that's your point in your bulletins today. Name the obstacle 
and face it as an overcomer. We want to face it as an overcomer with the confidence that we are given in scriptures. In Philippians 3, 13 and 14, I love it. It says this, it has this to say about overcoming your obstacles. Paul wrote, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward. Let me hear it say, reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. I absolutely love that verse. And I love what Paul says right from the very beginning of that to start. The humility to say, hey, I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm still on the road. My journey is still alive. For some of us, that right there is our obstacle. We think that we've already arrived. We think that we're, we're, we're it. We got it. We got all things under control. We're content where we're at even spiritually. That we're no longer really in this pursuit of godliness anymore because we feel like we've already gotten hold of it. Paul is careful to not be complacent in his spiritual journey. There's not a single person in this room, including myself or Daniel, the highest of, of any pastor or the pope, who can say and stand before us and say they got it right now. Amen? So if that's you, man, I just want to say that's a dangerous place to be. I've read it put this way. A divine dissatisfaction is essential for spiritual progress. Perhaps some of us, we're just content with what the world had to offer us. And that world has become more precious to us than Jesus himself. And so you have this mindset, I don't need this. I'm good. I'm content. And Paul gives us another great example of what we should follow. He says this. He says, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. Forget what's behind. That just made me realize, man, we all fall. We all make mistakes. We all hit bumps on the road, right? We all get side railed by some unexpected circumstance. And then we're faced with this, though. When we hit those bumps on the road, here's what you're faced with. You see the obstacle. You got two choices to make. I'm going to see that obstacle and I'm going to stop right there. It got me. Or you can see that obstacle and you can overcome it. I really like the song that was playing in the background of that commercial. There's a part of that song that wasn't sung here and it says, it said, sweat and tears fall to push me forward. That is taking your obstacles and that's taking the challenges in front of you. And that's facing it with sweat and tears and using them to continue to reach forward. Stay focused on the prize ahead. What's the prize that Paul is talking about in Philippians 3? I'm telling you right now, it is not salvation. This is not a scripture that's telling you that he can lose his salvation. He's not after salvation because salvation for us is secured already in Christ. Our salvation is secured in Christ as you place your trust in him as your Lord and your Savior. There's no race. There's no competition. There's nothing that we can do to obtain that salvation. It's a free gift. So what is Paul talking about? It's the prize of being conformed more and more into the image of Jesus. Being conformed more and more into his image. And I want to ask us this. Are you a warrior today? We need to be warriors constantly engaging the battlefield. Or like a competitor, always seeking victory. Each of those have this in common. They don't get caught up in yesterday's failures. You've made them. I've made mistakes. You're sitting here. You've made mistakes. But we've learned from those mistakes, hopefully. And we're going to push forward. Don't let your failures which could become your obstacles, derail you from the goal of your upward call. In our third commercial, this might be just an obstacle for someone else here. So I'm just getting started, but again, we got, we're on a pace here. And we're going to move on to our next third, our third commercial. And this one could be someone else's obstacle. Let's check out what I mean. I wish myself... Ow! 
A merry, stress-free Christmas. This just can't be right. Peace and calm is something sadly out of sight. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, here we go, rushing through it all with no thought at all. Oh, dear. To take it chill, have it nice and still <laughs> this year. Oh, I wish from us to all over international commercials here's number three in your notes you guys ready write this down don't be so busy that you miss out on what life is all about don't be so busy that you miss out on what life is all about now listen i know that christmas is long gone by this point i understand that it is the furthest thing that's on your mind right now but the truth is that the busyness the worry the stress that we often experience during the holidays doesn't magically disappear when the New Year's rolls in, right? Whenever it comes around. Especially, guys, in a city like New York City where there's constant hustle and bustle and grind of just trying to keep our heads above water for any certain period of time. And there's always a temptation to remain busy without even seeing any real forward momentum. When I see a commercial like this, I think it really helps me, it really helps communicate the importance of priority. Priority, keeping the main thing, the main thing. In the commercial, right, everyone was more focused on the shopping, more focused on the gift wrapping, the entertaining, the cleaning, over celebrating what was truly important about the holiday. You know, it reminds me of this story in the New Testament that we've mentioned uh, many, many times here um, at Swerve about two sisters named Mary and Martha. Jesus went to pay a visit to his two friends, and Mary was quick to kind of make Jesus a priority. She realized that Jesus, the Messiah, was going to be in the house. I'm going to sit at his feet. I'm going to listen to what he has to say. She wants to sit at him and listen and learn from Jesus. Martha, on the other hand, was a little bit more like some of you guys. That She was a little bit more caught up on the hospitality side of things. Martha was too busy cooking, cleaning, vacuuming, sweeping, mopping, dusting, and baking, and she was stressed out in the process. To the point where she's so stressed out that she tells Jesus, uh, hey, Jesus, can you please make my sister come and help me in the kitchen, basically, help me get everything ready. And then Jesus' response is interesting. This is what he says. These are the words of Jesus. It's in Luke chapter 10, verse 41 and 42. You have it in your notes. It says this, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice. Would you guys read the last part of the verse with me? Ready, go. And it will not be taken away from her. You know, I, I wonder how many of us are trading in the important for the urgent. I wonder how many of us are so busy that we're missing what truly is key. And that is time with Jesus. Hallelujah. I know that for me, 
I can get so busy that I miss out on what should be priority. I don't know if it's the same for you. Even when it comes to ministry, you can get so caught up in, in doing a good thing that you miss out on the God thing. And I heard someone say this one time, don't get so caught up in the work of the Lord that you miss out on the Lord of the work. Now, I don't know about you, but I can really relate to Martha at times. There's so much to do. There's so much that needs to get accomplished. There's so much that needs to get done. And honestly, I'm kind of secretly jealous of people like Mary, the little hippie with such a balanced life, right? Oh, yeah, I got time for Jesus, you know. But the truth is that sometimes, or if I'm honest, many times I get my priorities mixed up. What priority does Jesus have in your life? Is he first? Is he second? Is he 31st? And so often, we get so caught up in the busyness of life that we really miss out on the one that actually gives us any sort of meaning and any sort of purpose in life. Ultimately, that's our connection to and our relationship with Jesus. And let me tell you something. If life feels meaningless to you, might I suggest that it's perhaps because you're trading what should be key to be busy. Let me encourage you to readjust your priorities. I pray that your church family would serve as a gentle or sometimes a not-so-gentle reminder to keep the main thing the main thing. Now, this next commercial will help us see that we all have a special role to play, you and me included. We all have a special role to play in the body of Christ. Check it out. You need volunteers to make things happen, and we need more volunteers. It's something that could change things. My name is Hillary, and I'm a volunteer. I thought, I need something to do to give back. And so I thought, well, I will go and volunteer at the elementary school. Kids are happy. They're happy that they have someone that wants to listen to them read. Since I can't see, they have to really be able to describe things to me. They're learning how to deal with somebody that has a disability. I just think if everybody did a little bit, just a little bit of volunteering, we'll be a lot better. So for this commercial, <laughs> what I want us to focus on here is the importance of doing our part and working together as a body of Christ. It's our mission here at Swerve Church that we're going to lead all people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. It's our mission that we're going to bring hope to the streets of Bushwick. And so I want us to talk about that today. In 1 Corinthians, or within our next uh, four or five minutes, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says this. It tells us what it means to be together in unity and yet be a diverse uh, body of Christ, the church. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And here's our point. The church is called to unity in its diversity. The church is called to unity in its diversity. This means that each member of the body of Christ matters. This means that you matter as you sit here today. Paul, in the previous verses, 14 to 20 through 26, you're going to read about him describing how the relationship between all parts of our human body, right, and how each of those parts of our body works together and they have a unique role in the function of the entire body, right? And he, he then relates that to us as a body, as a church, as a family. Is that we all have a role to play as members of the body of Christ. And no one role is superior to the other. Right? The only 
the only role superior, the only person superior is Christ himself. He is the head of the church. But the church is a family of believers unique in their abilities and strengths, but united in their calling to serve one another and to serve God. We need one another. For the body of Christ to function properly, we need each member of the role of the body functioning in their unique gifts given to them by God. Each gift is important. Let me say this. There's not a gift in this room that's too small. There's not a gift in this room that's insignificant. Why? Because my God and your God is not a useless gift giver. He doesn't give gifts that are useless. Each gift he gives has a purpose and serves a purpose and has a significance. We see our gifts being used as we volunteer our time, as we volunteer our talents and our treasures for the mission that God has given us as a whole. And I'm so thankful, and with Danny so thankful, and we're so thankful here at Swerve Church for each and every volunteer. Each of you that serve during an outreach, each of you that serve faithfully every Sunday before and after service, all our gatherings, for those of you who serve during the week, for those of you who serve up front here or in the classrooms or behind the scenes, every act of service is valuable here at Swerve Church. None of it is ever insignificant. There's no correlation between size and significance when it comes to service in the church. We're all different. We're all unique. But we don't use our differences to divide us, but we use them to unite us as family. So we all make a difference and we all matter. I could illustrate this just by thinking of my family this past two weeks. We've been sick. We've been, you know, and it started with one. And, but as the various family is sick, eventually the entire family gets affected. All right, and it's probably true in your house. So when one member of the Barrios family gets sick, it, it's a domino effect. And one turns to two, to three, and all of a sudden everyone is sick. And it affects everything. It affects our schedule. It affects what we're eating. It affects um, how we arrange things, how we get things done. And then when Barrios' mama gets sick, then all things are just all out of whack. And so she's been sick the past two weeks, and so things have just been crazy in our family. Right? And the point of that is that when one member of our body is unable to perform their role or is not quite ready, then the entire body gets affected. And I want to say that's the same when it comes to us as a body of Christ. We need one another as a body. We are called to be united in our diversity. We are unique, but we're called to be united. We're all uniquely called. We have different gifts given to God, but are to be used for the benefit of one another. Because our gifts are given by God, our gifts therefore have value. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, you are now body, you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. The church is called to unity in its diversity. Now, talking about valuable, this next commercial is going to be extremely valuable to you. And so I want to give you some advice. Please lean in a little bit. Listen very carefully to this next commercial. possibly preach <laughs> out of that commercial. Anybody have, anybody want to take a guess? Don't embarrass yourself. 
<laughs> the answer is, that's not, that was, I just put that there for fun. There's no message behind that. Okay? Here's, here's the real commercial. Check this one out. If you want to be important, wonderful. If you want to be recognized, wonderful. If you want to be great, wonderful. But recognize that he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. That's a new definition of greatness. By giving that definition of greatness, it means that everybody can be great. You don't have to know about Plato and Aristotle to serve. You don't have to know the theory of relativity to serve. Here's number five in your notes. Greatness is not something you deserve. It comes when you serve. You guys want to write that down? Greatness is not something you deserve. It comes when you serve. I love the voice um, over message uh, given by the great Martin Luther King Jr. In this commercial, it has such a powerful message. It could probably just sit on its own as as the point. But so often, you know, we believe that greatness is earned the moment we are the ones being served. The moment we're receiving service, we're like, all right, we made it. I'm in first class, right? Like, I'm being served now. I've made it. When we're in that manager position or when we're in that boss position where we can be the ones giving the orders, that's when we think we've achieved greatness. I think it's because we love attention. We love glory. We love accolades. We look up to them. We're jealous of them. We secretly covet You know, those whom we deem to have seats of power and that lord it over people. In fact, this was the argument that the disciples were having one time. Check this, in the middle of uh, an opportunity where they were serving multitudes of people, they're watching the sick get healed, the blind miraculously see, and the preaching ministry of Jesus. In the middle of all of this, the disciples begin to argue about who was the greatest in their group. That's the argument that came up in their conversation But Jesus flips their whole perception of greatness. He challenges the world status quo and what it believed to be examples of greatness. Oh, greatness is the person in power. Greatness is the higher ranking. Greatness is the greater socioeconomic ranking. That's what greatness is. But Jesus flips the whole thing upside down. And he says this in Luke chapter 22, verse 27. He says, for who is greater? The one at the table or the one serving? Isn't it the one at the table? Would you guys read the last part of this verse out loud with me together? Ready, go. But I am among you as the one who serves. Would you guys underline that last part in verse 27 right there? You see, he tells the disciples, oh, 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 I see. You, you think greatness is embodied by the person who sits at the table with his feet up being waited on by servers. No, no. Actually, I'm the great one. I'm the great one. But I'm not sitting back expecting you to feed me grapes or pamper me like a princess. Jesus says, I'm the great one. I'm among you as one who serves. Learn from my example. Follow my humility. The point that MLK was making in his sermon, uh, is this, that was it. That, that is the greatest among you is the one that serves. The greatest among you is the one who serves. You can say it this way. Your greatness is only limited by your service. 
Some of you want to be a leader at work. You want to be a leader at school. You want to be a leader on your sports team or, or in a ministry. And you ask, Danny, how can I be a leader? I want to be a leader. What do I got to do? To me, a leader is this. A leader is a CSO. It's a chief serving officer. Because a leader is a servant. It is someone who is selfless. It is someone who is humble. It is someone who serves. Amen. That is someone who is great. And ultimately, that's what Jesus was alluding to. He was, what he was alluding to, the fact, was that the greatest act of service would be made from a person who deserved the greatest amount of praise, the person that deserved the most accolades, the person that deserved all the recognition. Ultimately, Jesus would serve us all by dying on the cross for the penalty for our sin. And guys, our greatest need, your greatest need today is not financial. Your greatest need is not physical. Your greatest need today is not emotional. Our greatest need and our disease is our spiritual condition before a holy and righteous God. Our sin condition leaves us utterly hopeless and helpless, deserving of hell, deserving of wrath, deserving of condemnation. But instead, Jesus humbled himself. He took on the form of a servant and he served us. He met us in our sin-stricken spiritual condition head on. And he lived the perfect and sinless life that you or I could not live. And he died the most brutal and wretched of public executions in our place. His death was the price for our sin. And he served us by picking up our spiritual death. But three days later, he conquered Satan's sin and death and he rose from the grave. And he served us by conquering death because in his life we can have newness of life. And all this is restored. We are restored and we are made new in Jesus. In fact, the Bible even says that he continues to serve us even now. He's in heaven making intercession on our behalf. And all you have to do to experience Jesus' great act of service, to experience his grace, to experience that love, to experience his mercy to surrender your life to him is to accept God's free gift of grace in Jesus and if you're here today and you haven't made that decision to follow Christ then I want to encourage you today what's keeping you from doing that what's keeping you from making a decision to follow Christ it's to surrendering it all I mentioned earlier that if life feels pointless if life feels meaningless it might be because of what you're living for because ultimately life, purpose, meaning is all found in Christ and who we are in Him. Not in how much we achieve, not in how much money is in the bank, not in the, what sort of luxury we can live in. It's only found in Christ. And if you're here today and you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you to do so. Here's the way you can do that because that's a decision between you and God. And so if you want to make that decision, here's the way. You, in your heart, you pray, you ask God, surrender to His Lordship. But here's the way you can let us know. If everybody will take out their connection cards, I want, you to, I want you to focus your attention on the back. On the back, there's some next steps that we can all take no matter where you are on your faith journey. And there's a spot for your prayer request. So if you have anything to be prayed for this week, you can jot that down and we would love to be praying for you this week. But I want you to notice one thing. It says, make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior. And if you're here today and you've yet to make that decision, that's the way that you can let us know that you made that decision between you and God. And then as your church family, we want to celebrate with you. We want to encourage you. We want to put a Bible in your hand. We want to be the church family that helps you take your next steps. So that's you here today. 
you want to make that decision, I'm not going to coerce you. I'm not going to force you. That's between you and God. That's the way you can let us know. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning and for a fun and creative way to be able to share the truth of your word. I just pray, God, that as we uh, consider all the things that we spoke about today, that, you know, that greatness comes uh, not from how much we can obtain, but from service, uh, from one, how we serve, God, and how uh, the church is called to be unified in the diversity of gifts that you've given us um, as a church. Lord, help us to remain focused on what life is truly about, that we wouldn't be so caught up on the busyness of life and stress. Um, God, help us to overcome obstacles uh, that come in our way, God, and I pray that you would help us use our tongue um, not to start a forest fire, God, but to bless somebody this week. God, I pray for those that are on the crosshairs, God, of making a decision to follow you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do what only you could do, and that you would regenerate lives and that you would draw people onto yourself. Thank you, God, for this awesome time uh, to be able to spend with my church family. I pray, God, that this would continue to be an encouragement to us this week. In Jesus' name we pray.